Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. If you're a return listener, we would love your rating, review, share, or like. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode was a former walk-on punter and wide receiver at Stanford University that led to a seven-year NFL career as a wide receiver. He now serves student-athletes as the coordinator of scholar-athlete development at the University of San Diego. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Greg Camarillo. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well. Excited to to chat with you. Uh, excellent. I'm excited to uh, have you on. Uh, you have an interesting, I think, very cool story. You actually walked on at Stanford as a punter and became an NFL wide receiver. Can you tell us a little bit about that evolution and journey? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of doors in my life opened up, uh, one, because of academics and two, because of the, the people in my life. Um, and so I was able to, to get into Stanford, uh, because I did well at school and then through uh, a couple connections, got a meeting with the Stanford coach, uh, Tyrone Willingham. And he offered me a chance to walk on as a receiver slash punter, uh, which, you know, I guess someone could think, oh man, he's great at both positions. Let's try. It was, it was the opposite. I was mediocre at both positions and they figured out oh, why, why not give him a try. So, so my first job at Stanford was uh, the punt block dummy. And anytime your, well, it wasn't an official title, but anytime your (laughs) title has the word dummy in it, you're probably not, not the, not the greatest asset. Uh, So I would just punt a ball for guys to, to practice blocking punts. And what that ended up was uh, guys just running into me nonstop. Um, So it was, it was humbling, but it was my first lesson in, you know, you need to do, whatever coaches ask you to do uh, to prove that you want to be on this team. Very cool. Um, is there a moment in uh, your college or NFL career that you're, you're most proud of? Yeah. Um, so in college, uh, you know, getting a scholarship, I spent two years as, as a walk-on. Okay. Um, we had a coaching change, which, you know, kind of gave me a, a fresh start. Um, and I improved a lot, you know, getting a chance to play against, a lot of high quality guys. And so going into my third year, I, I was given a scholarship. Um, cool. And, you know, I, I, it's funny, you know, you normally see the videos now on Twitter as someone offers, the coach says, this guy's on scholarship and everyone goes nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had spoken to a reporter that had found out, basically like le- accidentally leaked it to me that I was getting a scholarship. Really? Uh, and, it, and it didn't all add up right away. And then I was like, wait a second. And the coach told me at practice, uh, that was a, you know, a great achievement because as a walk on, you know, I was treated well, but mentally I felt different than everyone else, you know? Sure. Um, and so at that moment I felt like I had earned my way onto a college football team, which was great, you know, worked hard to get there. It was, it was uh, very satisfying to see that work turn into a scholarship. Uh, and then in the pros, you know, so I, I had a similar journey. I was, uh, undrafted, went to a tryout with the chargers. Uh, got brought back to camp from practice squad that year to play special teams. The final, uh, my final year in San Diego was cut because they drafted two receivers, went to Miami where I, I played special teams 
pretty much only for a year. And then the next year became a starting wide receiver. And my old team, the Chargers, came to town. Um, and it, there's a picture right there, right there on my wall. I know uh, I'll just be listening to the audio, but a picture. I and mean, it is um, the Chargers came to town. So I had gone from getting cut to becoming a starting receiver, playing against all my friends, all my old teammates, all my old coaches, uh, scored a touchdown, had – Oh, man, I want to say four or five or six catches. Nice. Anyway, I contributed to our team beating my old team, and it showed a lot of progress in my career. And it was just yeah. a great moment uh, for me to feel like I, again, had progressed and I had earned my way onto the NFL field. Very cool. I love it. Um, I know as uh, doing a little research on you as well, uh, I learned something I didn't realize before. Uh, when you're at Miami, you were traded to the Vikings for one of my former teammates that I played in the secondary with in college, Benny Sapp. Yes. Small world, small world. Um, what is it like to be traded in the NFL when there's, hey, new team, new city, go? What? Yeah, that, you nailed it. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So, uh, you know, going into my uh, fourth year in Miami, I'm in training camp. I had just come off a groin injury, and in, in, in that regime, uh, it was pretty much like if you get injured, you're, you're going to be sent packing. Um, so I got healthy, and like literally like a day or two later, uh, I'm in meetings, so 10 a.m., get a tap on my shoulder, hey, the GM wants to meet with you. Normally, they finish that with bring your playbook, and then you know it's, you know it's <laughs> a wrap news, at that point. News, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't say that, so I left, I left all of my stuff in the meeting, and so I was, I was not thinking I was getting cut just because they, you know, they want to make sure you bring your stuff in and get the hell out of town when, when you yeah. get cut. Eye so, on the window, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I walk into the meeting and the GM just says, Hey Greg, uh, do you know why you're here? <laughs> hell no. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> Fill me in. I just traded you to Minnesota and this is 10 AM. Right. So a, a few things pop into my head. One is, you know, I, I've got a, my now wife was my fiance at that point. I got a, okay. uh, she's in Florida. I got a house in Florida, dog in Florida. Um, she had just started graduate school on Monday. This was happening on a Wednesday. Oh, wow. And um, it was like my whole life's getting flipped upside down. Uh, and then the second thing that popped into my mind, because I was undrafted, you never really know like your, your draft worth. Sure. I wanted to know what I was traded for. Like, <laughs> what, did I, what, what had I become, a third rounder, a fourth rounder? You know, what, what was it? I was super eager to find that out. Um, but so, you know, you, you get traded at, uh, I was told at 10 a.m. And they say, hey, Greg, your flight's at 2. So you literally have four hours to wow. say your farewells, pack up, get the gear you need, get the clothes from home. Um, I decided I, I need a haircut because I got to show up <laughs> looking good to my new team. Sure. Uh, and so it, it, it was a whirlwind. It, it threw my life upside down. Um, you know, I was uncomfortable in Minnesota for a while just because I was the new guy. Everyone had already been, you know, established. Uh, but ultimately, you know, they, they, they pay you well. You're going to a new opportunity. You just roll with it. Um, and then actually, the way the trade worked out, so I was traded for Benny Sapp, never got to find out my, my true worth as a draft pick. Another free agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he ended up coming back to Minnesota. Um, Yep. later that year or the next year. Uh, and so I got a chance to play with him as well. And, and that dude, as you know, a lot of energy, a lot of words, <laughs> man. So yeah, uh, a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a wild transition, but you know, it ended up, I went to go, I uh, got to see a new city, play with Brett Favre, you know, just uh, not, it worked out. All right. So uh, in your career, was there a, a greatest lesson or, or 
something a, a coach or teammate taught you that kind of sticks out that maybe you even in your conversations, we'll, we'll get into what you do now next, but uh, yeah. that maybe you share with others? Yeah, um, kind, of, kind of two, one directly from a person and then the other one from a, from a situation. Um, so my, the coach who was responsible for giving me a shot in the NFL is James Lofton, a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver who was the yeah. receivers coach for the Chargers. Uh, he's the one who offered me a chance to try out. And it was because his son, David Lofton, was my teammate in college, uh, and James went to Stanford. So he always liked to look out for Stanford guys. He was able to watch film of his son, so therefore I was on the film as well. Sure. Um, but his one of his greatest teaching points was the preparation and study for just for practice, but for games as well. And so he had uh, – Vincent Jackson was a rookie with me as well, and he had us – that gave us assignments on going home and drawing up plays. You know, normally you just sit in meetings, you, you know, you, you go over the plays, you go home, they say study, but they don't ever like tell you how to study. Sure. And so he gave us specific ways on how to study. And what that did is it just reinforced the importance of preparation, but like drilled home the plays. So as a backup wide receiver, I needed to know all the receiver spots. If I knew the tight end and what the running backs were doing, there was even more opportunity to hit the field. And so I learned the value of putting in that extra work, studying, having proper studying techniques, um, because you're going to, there's going to be an opportunity. And if you know more, you're going to have more opportunities. Uh, And that was super helpful in my life in the first several years of my, of my pro career. Cause as a backup, anytime someone was hurt, even in practice, you need someone for one play, no problem. I've been studying. I know exactly what to do. Throw me out there. Um, and that's kind of how my career went. I got opportunities because of that. Um, so that was a huge, huge lesson directly from a coach that I can use with, with student athletes, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, and the other one was a lesson in greed and my contract. So only once did I ever like negotiate a contract because I was a, uh, a undrafted guy, it was just minimum contracts. And then into Miami after starting for a year, um, they wanted to do a contract extension, which, I was ecstatic about. Um, And so, you know, they had gone back and forth with my agent trying to find the right numbers and, uh, and practice in Miami was hard. And it got to the point where I told my agent, like, let's wrap this up before I get hurt. Something, you know, they're kicking our ass. Something might happen. (laughs) So um, on it, like it was a, I want to say a Thursday, uh, you know, I just told him, or maybe I told him on a Wednesday, I was like, look, man, let's wrap this thing up. These numbers are good enough. Uh, and so the next day on Thursday, I get, he gives me a call, contract ready, go sign it. I go sign that contract. Uh, and it was, it, you know, it's not the same contracts that you have now. It was three years, $6 million, but that was some elevators to get there. But I mean, still life, life-changing life money in any way you look at it. Um, and I go sign the contract. One of the greatest days of my life. Uh, that's a Thursday. I get ready for a game on Friday, you know, Saturday's nice and easy. We play the Patriots on Sunday. I go out there, I score a touchdown. I feel like all of my hard work has culminated in a contract. And then I score a touchdown to prove that, you know, I'm, I'm actually worth yeah. the money they're giving me. And then a few moments later, I tear my ACL. Oh. Um, and so if I had waited, if I had pushed for my money, if I had said, this isn't enough, I want more. And then I tore my ACL, that probably would have been the end of my career. But because I had signed that contract, they were invested. I had time to recuperate and get back out on the field. So 
the lesson was, you know, when enough is enough, don't be greedy. Cause if I'd have been greedy and pushed for more, uh, I, my whole life would have changed. Sure. Great lessons. Um, tell us about what you do now. You, uh, uh, work with student athletes. Tell us a little bit about your role at, in San Diego down there and, and what your kind of your day to day is and what you help student athletes with. Yeah. So, uh, I work at the University of San Diego in the athletic department. My title is the coordinator of scholar athlete development, um, which is just a fancy title. So I do, a, I do a few different things. I, uh, I help freshmen, first year students transition to becoming a uh, student athlete at USD and then general academic counseling, making sure students are working towards graduation, taking stuff they're interested in learning, uh, and then trying not to interfere with their sport as much as possible. And then also career development. So helping students, uh, at our level of athletics, not very many people are going to go play pro. And so I need to help prepare them for life. Um, so trying to get them thinking about jobs and prepared for those jobs. Um, and it's, it's fun to be part of a student athlete's journey and helping them prepare for the next step. That's, uh, it's cool to see the growth, um, you know, on their own there. Uh, one thing about that student athlete experience, uh, I'm sure, you know, sitting in your role, you get to hear a lot of the pains and, and you know, emotional things and, and tolls that, you know, sometimes aren't, you know, displayed on game day as you get to know kids. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the student athlete experience, what would it be? Great question. There would be a lot of things that, that I would change. Um, but, you know, I, I, based on my experience alone, so I, I played football at Stanford and um, shoot, this was almost 20 years ago from 2000 to 2005. And, and they were way ahead of the game as far as career development. And almost every student had a summer job. And so they would try to find you internships or jobs related to what you wanted to do. So I was an engineering student. I had three summers of engineering internships and that was an invaluable experience. And you could laugh at me because I'm not an engineer now, but what it, what it did is it, it taught me about careers. It taught me about a career as an engineer. It gave me valuable experience that um, one, if I hadn't played professional football, I would have been 100% ready for a job, but it also helped develop my identity outside of being a football player. So when I did graduate, if football wasn't going to work out, I knew that Greg, the engineer was going to be okay, as opposed to it being Greg, the football player is done. What the hell do I do next? Uh, I would love for every student athlete that's interested to have an opportunity like that, to gain those important experiences. Cause that's what's, that's what's really going to help a student transition to life after sports. You got a degree, I think in product design, product design. Yeah. What, what correlation do you see or do you take from maybe product design to helping kids career design and that kind of thing? What, what is there some, yeah. some things that, I mean, it's a different element of, you know, engineering and humans are unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man. I've never been asked that, but so in product design, you're taking your basic mechanical engineering knowledge and creating a product based on that. So, you know, uh, one of our products in college, when this is when the technology was new, was creating a Bluetooth headset. And so this, they had just come out with Bluetooth. And so they give you the specifications for the size of a, the Bluetooth technology. And then you use that to design what's going on somebody's head or ear. Okay. Uh, and so I guess you could, the students could use that as the same way that this is 
this is what's required of your experience. You are going to give X amount of hours to your school, X amount of hours to your, uh, to your sport. But after that, you design what your experience looks like. Are you going to be someone that does those two things and then just goes home and, and creates a real minimal looking Bluetooth? Or are you going to be somebody that takes those requirements and expands on it, designs something cool that, that makes overall makes the experience better? Um, so I just pulled that out of my rear, but I, I think it's, I think it's a, a, a good analogy. I, I like it. No, it's fantastic. I, I like that very much. Um, looking back at your experiences and in, in interfacing with student athletes on, on a regular basis, if you could jump into a time machine and go see 16 year old self, what advice would you give 16 year old Greg? Oh man, a, a few things. Um, uh, 16-year-old Greg, I would tell him, uh, just be comfortable in who you are to start with. You know, you don't, you, don't, you don't need to try to be cool or you don't need to try to be someone else or you don't need to try to belong to a group that, that you think is cool. Just be you and be comfortable being you. If, if, if you like something, go for it. If you don't like something, don't do it. Simple as that. Uh, and then the other advice would be to, to connect with as, as many different people as possible. And this kind of goes along with that. Where you find your social circle, you stick to your social circle, and that's fine. You know, you can ha to have your social circle. That's a, that's a source of comfort for you. But uh, you're going to learn more from the more people you can encounter and be around. No um, and this is something I wish I did more of in college. Um, so, you know, I, I hung out with football players. You know, I'm sure you did the same. You had your group of guys, oh, you yeah. and Benny, Benny Sapp are running around <laughs> campus. I wish I would have branched out more and got to learn about other people at school, you know, what they were up to, because now I look and I see they're doing amazing things. It would have been cool to, to be part of those people's journeys, to learn about their journeys uh, and then build connections outside of athletics. Great advice for, for 16 year old Greg and everybody out there. So yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Um, last question we always like to ask here on the podcast, how do you define success? That, that is a great question that I have uh, actually do an exercise with my students to try to get them to start thinking about, you know, what does success look like for you? Uh, yeah. And I, I believe two things. I believe one is different for every person. Um, but I also believe that success, that being successful is an internal feeling. Um, it's not measured externally by what other people can see. Yeah. So to me, success is when I go to bed at night and I look, you know, wash my face and I look in the mirror, can I honestly tell myself that I did my best that day? Um, or that I did my best on that project or that season? Um, because you know, you can't, I don't, I don't think you can lie to yourself and say, you know, I did a great job today when you didn't do a great job. And this, this is not, it's not a matter of, you know, with football, did I go out to practice and, you know, catch every ball thrown to me or, you know, get off every release that a DB tried to press me, but it's, did I give my best effort? You know, did I try my best? Same with school. You can get a, uh, you know, you can get a straight A with no effort. Um, you can also get a, a 2.5 and had busted your ass, you know, and that's okay. So it's not the external measure to me. It's, can you look yourself in a mirror and say that you did your best to achieve whatever your goal is. Uh, and to me, that's being successful, whether somebody sees that or not, that's okay. But if you can rest easy at night, 
to me, you are a successful person.